Moving on to transportation. Here we need to make sure that people don't get stranded in places that are not survivable. Then we have to provide for seasonal migrations to places where people can grow, catch, or gather their own food, and then back to places where they can survive the winter without freezing to death or going stir-crazy from cabin fever. Lastly, some amount of freight will have to be moved to transport, transport food to population centers, as well as enough coal and firewood to keep the pipes from freezing in the remaining habitable dwellings. All of this is going to be a bit of a challenge because it all hinges on the availability of transportation fuels, and it seems very probable that transportation fuels will be both too expensive and in short supply before too long. From about 2005 and until the middle of 2008, the global oil supply has been holding steady, unable to grow materially beyond a level that has been characterized as a bumpy plateau. An all-time record was set in 2005, and then after a period of record-high oil prices, again only in 2008. Then, as the financial collapse gathered speed, oil and other commodity prices crashed, along with oil production. More recently, the oil markets have come to rest on an altogether different bumpy plateau. The oil prices are bumping along at around $40 a barrel and can't seem to be able to go lower. It would appear that oil production costs have risen to a point where it does not make economic sense to sell oil at below this price. Now, $40 a barrel is a good price for U.S. consumers at the moment, but there is hyperinflation on the horizon thanks to the money-printing extravaganza currently underway in Washington, and 40 could easily become 400 and then 4,000 a barrel, swiftly pricing U.S. consumers out of the international oil market. On top of that, exporting countries would balk at the idea of trading their oil for an increasingly worthless currency and would start insisting on payment in kind, in some kind of tangible export commodity, which the U.S. in its current economic state would be hard-pressed to provide in any great quantity. Domestic oil production is in permanent decline and can provide only about a third of current needs. This is still quite a lot of oil, but it will be very difficult to avoid the knock-on effects of widespread oil shortages. There will be widespread hoarding. Quite a lot of gasoline will simply evaporate into the atmosphere, vented from various jerry cans and improvised storage containers. The rest will disappear into the black market, and much fuel will be wasted driving around looking for someone willing to part with a bit of gas that's needed for some uh, small but critical mission. I'm quite familiar with this scenario because I happened to be in Russia during a time of gasoline shortages. On one occasion, I found out by word of mouth that a certain gas station was open and distributing 10 liters apiece. I brought along my uncle's wife, who at the time was eight months pregnant, and we tried to use her huge belly to convince the gas station attendant to give us an extra 10 liters with which to drive her to the hospital when the time came. No dice. The pat answer was, everybody is eight months pregnant. <laughs> How can you argue with such logic? So 10 liters was it for us too, belly or no belly. 
So what can we do to get our little critical emissions accomplished in spite of chronic fuel shortages? The most obvious idea, of course, is to not use any fuel. Bicycles, cargo bikes in particular, are an excellent adaptation. Sailboats are a good idea, too. Not only do they hold large amounts of cargo, but they can cover huge distances, all without the use of fossil fuels. Of course, they're restricted to the coastlines and the navigable waterways. They will be hampered by the lack of dredging due to the inevitable budget shortfalls and by bridges that refuse to open, again, due to lack of maintenance funds. But here, ancient maritime techniques and improvisations can be brought to bear to solve such problems, all very low-tech and reasonably priced. Of course, cars and trucks will not disappear entirely. Here, again, some reasonable adaptations can be brought to bear. In my book, I advocated banning the sale of new cars, as was done in, in the U.S. during World War II. The benefits are numerous. First, older cars are overall more energy efficient than new cars because of the massive amount of energy that went into their manufacturing is more highly amortized. Second, large energy savings accrue from the shutdown of an entire industry devoted to designing, building, marketing, and financing new cars. Third, older cars require more maintenance, reinvigorating the local economy at the expense of mainly foreign car manufacturers and helping reduce the trade deficit. Fourth, this will create a shortage of cars, translating automatically into fewer, shorter car trips, higher passenger occupancy per trip, and more bicycling and use of public transportation, saving even more energy. Lastly, this would allow the car to be made obsolete on about the same time scale as the oil industry that made it possible. We will run out of cars... We will run out of cars just as we run out of gas. Here we are only a year or so later, and I'm most heartened to see that the U.S. auto industry has taken my advice. <laughs> On the other hand, the government's actions continue to disappoint. Instead of trying to solve problems, they would rather continue to create boondoggles. The latest one is the idea of subsidizing sales of new cars. The idea of making cars more efficient by making more efficient cars is sheer folly. I can take any pickup truck and increase its fuel efficiency by one or two thousand percent just by breaking a few laws. First, you pack about a dozen people into the bed, standing shoulder to shoulder, like sardines. <laughs> Second, you drive about 25 miles an hour down the highway because going any faster would waste fuel and wouldn't be safe with so many people in the back. <laughs> and so there you are, per passenger fuel efficiency increased by a factor of 20. I believe the Mexicans have done some extensive research in this area <laughs> with excellent results. Another excellent idea pioneered in Cuba is making it illegal not to pick up hitchhikers. Cars with... Cars with vacant seats are flagged down and matched up with people who need a lift. 
Yet another idea. Since passenger rail service is in such sad shape, and since it is unlikely that funds will be found to improve it, why not bring back the venerable institution of riding the rails by requiring rail freight companies to provide a few empty boxcars for the hobos? The energy cost of the additional weight is negligible, and the hobos don't require stops because they can jump on and off. And only a couple of cars per train would ever be needed because hobos, as you know, are almost infinitely compressible. (laughs) And they can even ride on rooftops if needed. One final transportation idea. Start breeding donkeys. Horses are finicky and expensive, but donkeys can be very cost-effective and make good pack animals. My grandfather had a donkey while he was living in Tashkent in Central Asia during World War II. There was nothing much for the donkey to eat, but as a member of the Communist Party, my grandfather had a subscription to Pravda, the Communist Party newspaper, and, and so that's what the donkey ate. Apparently, donkeys can digest any kind of cellulose, even when it's loaded with communist propaganda. (laughs) If I had a donkey, I would feed it the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) And so we come to the subject of security. Post-collapse Russia suffered from a serious crime wave. Ethnic mafias ran rampant. Veterans who served in Afghanistan went into business for themselves. There were numerous contract killings, muggings, murders went unsolved left and right, and in general, the place just wasn't safe. Russians living in the U.S. would hear that I'm heading back there for another visit and would give me a wide-eyed stare. How could I think of doing such a thing? I came through unscathed somehow. I made a lot of interesting observations along the way.